This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, complex reasons He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping could take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs. Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, good day, Adam. How are you going? I'm um, very well, thank you. Uh, don't forget, of course, that we announced our partnership with the ASX and the rest of the Equity Mates Media Network to participate in the share market game with the ASX. So if you haven't done so already, really encourage you to go and, uh, and sign up and join in the fun. Uh, that'll all be kicking off very soon. But... Thomas, on with the show, and we're going to talk about turkey inflation. And no, I don't mean putting too much stuffing in the Christmas bird. It's inflation in Turkey, the country. Apparently, we're in the midst of the great reshuffle, which, you know, take from that what you will. And inflation is on the rise. So now everyone who said MMT was a good idea is now saying, yeah, but nah, you're doing it wrong. And big news, Thomas, people are jacking up the prices of donkeys. That's right. That and many more donkey puns a little later in the show. But first, US inflation has come out. Is that it's at 7.5%, Thomas. Is it time to restock the bunker, pull the kids out of school and head back underground? Yeah, uh, yeah no, it's not it, it was grim, but it is it's it's you know, so it was 7% last last month and, and you know, year on year is now up to 7.5%. So pushing higher, a bit, bit higher than economists are expecting. They were looking for 7.3%. So it's high. It's now the highest level since 1982. You've got to go back that far to, to get an inflation rate like this. This is an economist wet dream, right? This, we haven't been this excited about inflation since the 80s. Yeah, that's, it's about right, actually. I mean, I started at the Reserve Bank in 2000, 2001, and... Mm. My whole career, inflation was a non-issue. You know, it was all waiting, waiting for inflation to happen. As an inflation-targeting central bank, you're like, when's it coming, when's it coming? And it just never came. Mm. So it's been, you know, 20-odd years where inflation has been a non-issue and now it is the number one issue right now. So it's, yeah, it's, it's what everyone's watching. Right. So inflation's 7.5% in the U.S., why is inflation so much higher in the US than it is here? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think it's may Ooh, yeah, that's a good question. I don't I'm not entirely sure. And and I don't know that there's a strong narrative around why we're not seeing it here in Australia. You look at what what's driving US inflation, it's food, electricity and shelter. We haven't seen electricity fuel prices have been up, shelter prices have been up, 
I think maybe they figure differently in the Aussie CPI. And then food prices. Australia is actually a very food sovereign nation. Like we're quite, in the, we're food independent. Right. There's a few stories like when COVID first hit, people worrying about, you know, running out of food and everyone panic buying in the supermarkets. But Australia is actually food, quite food independent. And maybe that helps, helps protect us. But it's a, yeah, hmm. that's a good question. I might, might look a bit more into that. Yeah, but food, food's up. <laughs> food's up seven point one percent, the highest level in forty-one years. Energy's up four point two percent. It's now twenty-seven percent over the past twelve months. So, and yeah, we're not Whoa. we're not seeing energy spikes anything like that. I mean, we produce a lot of energy here in Australia. Maybe that that protects us as well. But we're definitely not seeing energy prices up twenty-seven percent year on year. That's that's massive. It's winter in the US too, though, right? That's right. Yeah. So there's a lot more heating bills. It's probably twenty-seven percent colder over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. That's a, View economists tried tried factoring in some of those numbers. Yeah, we should. Yeah, I don't think fans are quite as expensive to run. <laughs> That's right. Like when you talk about shelter, you know, our walls probably don't need to be as thick. You know, it's a, lot, it's a lot cheaper. Right. So did they? Oh, so it's, it's um, it's becoming a big political issue now. Like it's it's people are starting to freak out. So wages are growing at like 5.7%. So that means real wages are going backwards. So people's purchasing powers going backwards. People aren't happy about that, obviously. Energy prices up 27%. That's sort of freaking people out a bit. Joe Biden declared this week uh, prices week uh, and saying it's all hands on deck to win this fight against inflation. Sounds like the war on drugs that they announced in the (laughs) 80s and 90s. (laughs) This is your brain on inflation. <laughs> but and and so the other interesting data point I found that TikTok had uh, so budgeting hashtag budgeting is trending. So there's 41 million views over over two days around the budgeting topic. All right, I don't care what I don't care what's trending on TikTok. What's what does this mean for markets though? Well, the the rate outlook had changed last last month with the with higher interest higher inflation than expected. That's now getting locked in. Um, Markets are now pricing in 50 basis points in March. So Deutsche Bank and Nomura are looking for 50 bips in uh, in the March meeting. Some people are still looking for 25, but now the profile is now looking more aggressive. We're going to expect stronger rate hikes out of the out of the Fed and more quicker than people were thinking. One one board member saying that they're going to need to hike 100 basis points by the end of the financial year, so by July. So that's that's pretty aggressive. Mm. So I'd ask again, what does it mean for markets? <laughs> <laughs> so you've just told me about rate hikes, yeah. which is not not an answer to my question. So are markets yeah. going to go up or down? Oh, let's try and let's try and dumb it down for you. Jeez. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it it depends on how much markets have already digested the change to to a high, to a more aggressive rate outlook. Yeah, it's obviously not going to be strong news for for growth stocks. But we're seeing some sort of pretty patchy results. We saw that last week with Facebook versus Amazon. Facebook got smashed. Amazon got a got a bump. So it's not it's not consistent, but it it just creates more volatility, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, for now, like because the narrative has shifted. The narrative shifted last month. People like say, okay, cheap money's over. We're moving to quantitative tightening. We're moving to a rate hike cycle. That sort of takes some of the the pop, the bubble out of the growth stocks. You'd think. But I think I think this month. I mean, it's interesting. You know, you, you, this month you get the highest inflation in forty years, and markets are like, yeah, okay, we, we got it. We we kind of we got that last month. It's higher than it was last month, but we've kind of digested that news. It seems. Seems like there's a bit of volatility in your willingness to take a position on the matter. To be honest, but <laughs> we will move on. 
All right, Thomas, Ash has sent us a link via email, cve at equitymates.com, which you can do as well, or of course you can send us a message at CVE Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Um, actually, just sent us a link to a, a New York Times article, um, which was a discussion about um, MMT, modern monetary theory, and do you want to, maybe you should take, a, take it from here and just run us through the article at a high level. Yeah, so if you remember, modern monetary theory is sort of a... A different framework for thinking about how the economy works. Probably the central idea is that um, budget deficits don't matter in the way that we've previously thought that they mattered, that money printing mm. and deficit financing isn't necessarily inflationary. It depends on what constraints uh, exist within the economy. Um, and yeah, and it was sort of it was very fringe for a long time. You know, yeah, it's been around for a while, but it was like seen as really out there on the fringes um, until pretty much all governments around the world started running an MMT agenda with massive government deficits and money printing. And so that's what sort of the New York Times article is saying is: this, is it time for MMT to take a victory lap because everyone's um, everyone's adopted it in in practice, if not in theory? Um, so does that is that mean MMT is vindicated? Have, have has MMT won the paradigm shift? And has it? Well, I mean, because so so COVID hit, and then there was this massive ramp up of of money printing. Like I think the US printed something like two point six trillion just you know one day. <laughs> Trump just went, hey, you know what we need here? We just need tons of cash. So that then that then fired up the conversation around MMT, and a lot of people were talking about MMT and going, "This is it. This is MMT's time to shine. We're doing it. We're living it. This is like, oh, it's really happening. <laughs> everyone's pretty, everyone's pretty excited." But now, of course, now we're seeing inflation, which was like everyone who was, I guess, against MMT was kind of saying, "Nah, MMT is going to lead to inflation," and now that's happening. So where are we at? The the New York Times are saying, is this you know time for a victory lap? Mm. A lot of other people now are also saying, absolutely not. It's it didn't work. Where where are we? Somewhere in the middle? Well, yeah. Since I mean, still MMT is still not being taken seriously by academic economists. So Lawrence Summers, who was the Treasury Secretary under Clinton, he tweeted, mm. "I'm sorry to see the New York Times taking MMT seriously as an intellectual movement." It is the equivalent of publicizing fad diets, quack cancer cures, or creationist theories. Right. So he's, he's not down with it. But his beef is sort of that it doesn't have enough modeling behind it. And I think, I don't know, to me it sort of misses the point. Like it's sort of is talking about MMT is a framework for how the economy actually works. And I think it's been vindicated in the sense that to the extent that there was an idea that money printing always creates inflation and massive deficit funding always creates inflation and you should never do it. I don't know that that was so much an economic idea as it was a political idea, like the idea of balanced budgets back in black and all of that. Mm. That was more of a political sloganeering that we should always run budget deficits. And you saw that when COVID hit, there was that commitment to budget deficits was blown out the window. We've now in Australia got a, you know, gone from having a budget deficit to a deficit of 10% of GDP. It's like massive. And it's kind of, for the moment, it's all okay. And it is, and it is and it's a bit unfair to say that, yes, but now there is inflation and, you know, in six months down the road and we have huge inflation, we look back and go, see, MMT was wrong. 
But MMT never said there would never be inflation or that there would never be consequences. MMT was saying where you get inflation is where you have constrained sectors of the of the economy. So, you know, like if you mm. if you ramp up demand for widgets and there's only a limited capacity to bring new widgets to markets, the price of widgets goes up. Um, and they're sort of saying that, you know, you can, you can manage that depending on where the, the stimulus and the spending gets focused. If, you know, if you stay away from those constrained sectors, then, then you can do okay. And particularly like they're talking about labor, like if, you know, if you have an under utilization of labor, then you can sort of, you can, you can manage that with deficit spending. And as long as there's that underutilization, there's slack in the economy and you're not going to get inflation. You know, so that, that was an argument politically, like practically for like 3%, 4% budget deficits. The MMT was never arguing for 10%. Right. Or, or like, and, and just gushing money at the economy the way that we have. Like it's been a massive, huge amount of money printed, huge government spending both in America and Australia and pretty much everywhere. Um, and that might lead to inflation, but that doesn't mean MMT was wrong because M- no one at a practical level was recommending that you kind of have that kind of spending. And theoretically, they weren't saying it was never going to happen. It's just that it's not as simple as money printing equals inflation, which is sort of what, what when I went to university, that was sort of taken as given, like it was never really questioned. Right. And, it, and it's probably then, it's too simplistic to say as well, from, from what I, I read in the article, is money printing does not equal MMT. Because you, you, you often hear like people talk about MMT and they say, well, yeah, it's, just, it's basically money printing, almost recklessly printing money and just throwing money at whatever you want. But that's not what, if you get into MMT, that they're kind of arguing, is it? They're saying it still needs to be directed. And that was the problem and, and why we're seeing inflation now is maybe there was because it was like a COVID response, like a panicked, a sort of panic situation, a panicked response, that a lot of the money that was printed is just kind of injected willy-nilly into the system and not caring enough about whether the supply was constrained for mm. X and it, and it wasn't for Y, whereas MMT probably argues you need to be thinking about that. And that's why I say, so at the top of the show, we're doing it wrong. I think that's that's now the... The MMT people coming out and going, well, yeah, you kind of took the money printing bit of MMT <laughs> and you just blindly threw it at the economy, <laughs> and so that's why we are where we are. Yeah, yeah, that's. I think that's right. That's right. But it's it's also worth noting, like, so one of the big, so Stephanie Kelton's the big sort of pop, the pop figure of MMT, and yeah, the pop star of it. We've got a great photo we'll share to the Instagram of of how she she does her podcast. Yeah, and, and typically. So there is the sort of the theory of MMT and then there's the sort of ideology and the, and the practice of MMT. And typically the practice of it is progressive because it it's allows for a role for government, allows for bigger government. That tends to be a progressive issue. Conservatives want a smaller government, so they're not necessarily aligned with MMT. But purely as a theoretical model, it has no ideological bend. It's just trying to be a description of how the economy works. It just so happens that people who tend to view that, that you have that paradigm and like that paradigm are also progressive because they're looking for ways to justify more government intervention. I mean, so it's like, it's like any movement too, though. Like you're always going to get, someone will create the movement and then you'll just get all the hangers on that just like jump in. 
Like there's probably just like there's like a faction of people who are just like, I just want to print money, man. I'm just here for the <laughs> money printing. Like if you look at the protests in Canberra over the weekend, there's like flags, but then there's all these little flags that pop up and little slogans and there's all the sort of hangers on who are just like, man, I'm just here because there's a protest going on <laughs> and I want like cheaper donuts. <laughs> it's outrageous. And so it's no surprise that they've that maybe MMT's splintered and and fractious. <laughs> <laughs> and there's people in it for yeah. You just want to see what happens if we print lots of money. All right, Thomas. So everyone in the US is panicking at at inflation at seven point five percent. Turkey, the country, has come out. They've said, "Hold my beer." Forty eight percent. What on earth is going on in Turkey? Yeah, yeah. They're a Muslim country, so it's probably hold my tea. <laughs> hold my tea. Hold my chai. Yeah, 48.69% in January. I don't know why we get two decimal points in Turkey, but that's how they roll. You think we think once you get into the 40s, it doesn't matter about the second decimal. But. <laughs> you could start rounding up. I think as, as, you, as you turn into double-digit inflation, it's time to start rounding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So 11.1% in the month to give us 48.69% over the year. <laughs> just imagine people in Turkey just going, if this hits 48.96%, we are rioting. <laughs> so inflation's off the hook in Turkey. It's it's pretty massive. Mm. What's, been, what's been really interesting about this, so inflation's been rising for a while now. What's been interesting is that the President Erdogan has been pushing for interest rate cuts. So he's cutting into inflation. So that's that's... It goes against economic orthodoxy. Normally when inflation's rising, you try and break the back of it by hiking interest rates and slowing the economy down. He's gone the other route. So inflation's rising and he's uh, cutting rates. He's, there's, the interest rates have fallen 500 basis points since September to 14%. So yeah, that's, quite a, that's quite a substantial cutting program. That's caused the, the Turkish lira to tumble. So the lira is down 44% yeah, since, since they started uh, slashing rates. So what school of what school of economics is he working in then? It's not mm. it's not your traditional economic theory. It's no. not your modern monetary theory. No, it's kind of his own story there. <laughs> <laughs> it's, okay. it's roll your own economic. Yeah, I mean, this there there is sort of an idea that if you're a de- uh, a developing economy and you you know your export sector is most of your economy is is, is massive. That if you if you slash rates and and crash your currency, that makes your exports cheaper. Your exports will you know you start exporting more, and that export mm. revenue starts um, driving your economy, and and things get better, and you get you get a boost out of it. And so and there's sort of an idea that you might be able to grow your way out of trouble. That seems that there is that idea out there, and there was a period in the 2000s where China did something similar and seemed to get away with it. The problem with that idea in the in the Turkey situation is Turkey is not a developing economy. Turkey is more of a middle income economy, and it's not you know it's not entirely export driven. And when your currency collapses like forty four percent in a year, that makes imports really expensive. Right, and it means all of the sectors of the economy that are reliant on imports that they start to really struggle because now they've got to pay more for their imports and think they get into trouble. And so it doesn't seem like there is no one out there that I've read that says that this is the right course for Turkey's current economic situation. But that's he's a, he's a populist, and 
this seems to be, you know, he, he's, I think they've sacked the, the central bank governor three times in the past two years or something like that. Yeah, well, he's probably trying to do, he's probably just trying to do economic stuff. And the president's like, nah, man, I can't, you just can't be bringing your traditional economics gear to this situation. We're, we're, we're making it up as we go along now. I'm pleased to hear that the export's going to be still still pumping, though, because did you know Turkey accounts for 75% of the world's production of hazelnuts? Is that right? There you go. 75%, though. So, so man, if, if that stops functioning, we run out of Ooh, Nutella. That's all I'm whoa. saying. I don't want to freak anyone out, the, but my kids are pretty into it. The Nutella crisis <laughs> of 2022. <laughs> Heard it here first. <laughs> All right, let's take a break here, grab a word from our sponsors and be back with more Comedian versus Economist right after this. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Thomas, Josh Frydenberg came out and he's now talking about the great reshuffle, which sounds like a really boring poker game. What's he what's he actually talking about? Yeah, saying that saying we're not seeing a great resignation in Australia. There's been a bit of rumours that we might mm. see a great resignation, like we seem to have seen in the US. So that's another point of difference between us and America. But where we're not seeing a great resignation, we are seeing a great reshuffle. So there was some Treasury analysis that showed a record 300,000 workers in the December quarter had left their jobs for a new opportunity. Yeah, so Freidenberg said, unlike some other countries, we are seeing a great reshuffle rather than a great res- res- resignation. Uh, compares with in America where there are 2.8 million fewer Americans in the labor force before the pan- than before the pandemic. So it's quite a substantial drop in the labor force. We haven't seen a, a fall in our labor forces. It's held up apart from the fall related so to immigration. Do, mm. do they know why? Like are people just looking for something different to do or are they kind of chasing more money? Are I, they, I would expect they're chasing uh, more money and there's a lot of opportunities. Like the labor market is very tight. You're hearing of some sectors, particularly tech, where there's a real labor shortage and uh, some, some tech salaries are booming. So I, I expect people are going for, for higher wages. It's, it's, it's really interesting because there, there is this bit of a narrative that we can be a bit more relaxed about wages in Australia because we have a stickier wages system, because we have the accord and we have minimum wage. The Fair Work Commission looks at the minimum wage every year, gets a slight adjustment, um, and then that feeds through, th- through the award system that wages in Australia tend to be sticky and a bit slow to respond to economic circumstances. So while the economy is heating up, wages tend to be a bit slow moving off. That's only true if people stay in their current jobs and get a a pay rise from their current employer. If people start jumping jobs and and finding new employers and finding higher wage rates, then you could see a a much quicker lift in in wages than, than we're expecting. 
That's interesting. And I don't know if there's more investigation needed here, but it's a pretty volatile time, you know, with COVID and everything else happening that I just imagine, like, I wonder how many, how many of them were like voluntary. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like people were like, oh, you've reshuffled your job. Well, yeah, I had to because the place I was working at closed down because of COVID. Yeah, I, th- I, think, th- I think that would be captured in the survey question. So it's, it specifically says left their job for a new opportunity. So it's not like... I lost my job. It's that they've actually left their job for a new opportunity. Right. Assuming people read the question. We are, we are seeing like in the vacancies data, like in the number of job ads, it's booming. There's a huge number of vacancies. Job ads are at record highs. The labor market does look really tight. Unemployment at 4.2%. It's a really tight labor market. So it's not surprising that people, mm. that wages are lifting, that we're hearing a lot of firms talking about having to pay more to find, secure the right talent. So it's consistent, I think. Right. So it's not because people have lost their jobs. People are just negotiating better jobs. So again, maybe you should go and talk to your boss or maybe talk to someone <laughs> else's boss. <laughs> Tell them Adam sent you. <laughs> Thomas, the price of your average donkey has gone through the roof. Massive price rises uh, across the board. Apparently... <laughs> apparently it used to cost about six to seven hundred dollars for a donkey and now it's about two and a half thousand dollars can you tell us why donkeys are why the price of donkeys is increasing so much it's actually more than that so three years ago pre-covid you could get sixty dollars mm. a head for donk for a donkey as pet meat then apparently it's jumped up during covid to six to seven hundred dollars and now it's two thousand five hundred that's huge. It's huge, yeah. Who knew the winning trade of COVID was going long donkeys? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. I think it's uh, it could become it could become a big issue, like because people, you know, obviously the the cost of donkeys, and if this becomes an election issue, then we could see a lot of donkey votes. Is all I'm, I'm saying. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> farmers apparently, like the farmers are using them more and more. Farmers are using them to protect their livestock, to protect yeah. their sheep. Protect against dog attacks, apparently. One farmer says that in Geraldton was saying that dog attacks were costing him $10,000 a year. So he paid, he paid $3,000 a pair for a pair of donkeys and figures that's a good, good return on investment. So a male donkey is called a, a jack or a jackass, right? Uh-huh. A female donkey is called a jenny or sometimes uh-huh. a Karen. And <laughs> so these... These donkeys that are out, because I never think of a donkey as a particularly kind of aggressive animal or like even a, a, an animal that, there was that survey we did last year, like which animal do you think you could beat in a fight? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I would have pegged a donkey a fair way down the list, like well down from bear. And if I was looking for something to protect my farm, mm. like these mustn't be your run-of-the-mill jackass donkeys. These must be badass donkeys. <laughs> To be protecting livestock. Oh, was that another pun? Bad like, oh, there's going to be there's going to be puns throughout this time. Just keep up. Well, they have to be because donkeys look so docile and boring. Like I can't mm. like if a dog flies onto your farm, right? It's looking to get some sheep. Mm. I just don't imagine that there's a tough looking donkey standing in the corner, just like, oh, hey, dog, what are you doing in here? <laughs> it's true. Like one of the one of the reasons they're selling well is that they're very friendly with humans that's one of one of their selling points ah. but then the, the, the dog attack seemed to be what this farmer in Geraldton was saying was that it's it's not that the dogs aren't hunting the sheep they just come on for a play 
and then just end up mauling the lambs and the lambs die. Well, there's a, there's a fun image for your Wednesday morning for tuning in. <laughs> yeah. All right, and so, the, and so the donkeys are just scaring them off. Yeah, They're I think... just kind maybe. of seeing this massive, seeing a big donkey. Maybe the dog thinks it's an oversized dog. Like, if we've if we got tough donkeys, this is open to a whole new world of opportunities. We could put them in, like, put them out the front at nightclubs. Like, how good would that be? Just a couple of... <laughs> couple of donkeys out the front just checking checking ids and covid check-ins just <laughs> imagine, imagine a bouncer donkey we'd be able to deal deal with troublemakers like right mate you're out we're some pretty clever donkeys ourselves so we know a smart ass when we see one oh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, apparently the the reason the man spiking is from china so the the skins purportedly have medicinal benefit in china and I don't know, maybe there's a COVID connection, but yeah, Chinese people have been stocking up on donkey skins and that's, that's caused a, a boom in donkey demand. Yeah, so it's not just the skins in China that they're after, but the other issue they've got with donkeys is donkeys, donkeys are pregnant for 14 months. Whoa. Uh, and they don't work when they're pregnant. Right. So, so that's one of the big issues, like, is, is they can't make donkeys fast enough. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then when you get a pregnant donkey, pregnant donkey can't fight dogs, like uh-huh. or do whatever whatever you've paid you've got the donkey there for. So yeah, I think there's a supply issue. There's a supply kind mm. of maybe donkeys are hard to ship around the world too. But yeah, I think breeding donkeys is pretty tricky. So if you're looking forward to a to a another donkey pun or joke right at the end. I haven't got one. <laughs> That's it. I don't want to mock. I don't want to. I don't want to mock pregnant donkeys. That's <laughs> there are just some places I won't go on this show. All right. That uh, that that wraps us up on that note for this week. Uh, thank you once again for joining us. Don't forget check out the ASX share market trading game. We hope you'll join us for that. Uh, and of course. Get your ears around all the other great shows from Equity Mates Media. Get started investing, Equity Mates Investing Podcast. You're in good company. Talk money to me. Uh, and of course, Crypto Curious. So, yeah, thanks again for listening. We will talk to you again next week. See ya. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. AdWanted UK is the provider of single-source media data for agencies, media owners, brands and academic institutions.
and thanks to our rebranded news offering called The Media Leader, we can also lead the way in championing excellence and inclusion in the media industry. To find out more, simply visit the-media-leader.com to subscribe to our daily bulletins. The Media Leader, from AdWanted UK.